This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Open for Business. It's the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. I'm Rich Bradbury. Post-pandemic, Malaysia has experienced a gradual decline in unemployment. However, the paradigm shift in work dynamics uh, during the pandemic continues and now sees many of the younger generation placing different priorities on what they seek in a job. Hiredly, a leading hybrid recruitment platform in the realm of talent acquisition, specifically targets Gen Y and Z, recognizing their evolving working preferences. It comprises both a job portal and a headhunting recruitment solution focusing on junior to mid-management talents. Here with me today on Open for Business, I have Derek Toe. He's the founder and CEO of Hiredly. And why he started down this path, the business model and promise of this venture, how AI may or may not have changed the game and the future of Hiredly. We're also going to be exploring employment trends in Malaysia and the evolving demands of the workplace. Derek, welcome to the show. Hi, hi, Richard. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I, I've spoken with you many times, and I think, as you said, coming into the studio, I think this is the first time we've actually met face to face. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, we've been speaking co- uh, for about the last three years. I that's think right. something yeah, like it's that. Quite a bit. Uh, so it's been an interesting experience. Let's let's kind of take a step back though, because I, I've spoken to you uh, firstly when it was Wob, uh, and then of course in your movement into Hiredly and all of that kind of change. But let's take a step back. You've been on this journey for around. 10 years now, um, not meaning to like reiterate how long it is. Yes, long almost, journey, right? Almost 10, yes. Uh, and and um, you, Hidely, it, it, it's a, a platform focused on Gen Y and Z, uh, mainly. Why this particular focus? And what was the problem that you think you were originally trying to address with, with your platform? Yeah, I, I love this question. So I, I, um, I used to do... Well, I used to work in a recruitment firm, you know, like in a headhunting and all that. Mm. And um, I originally had many clients who would, you know, come to us trying to hire, especially junior people. And I, I would regularly ask them, oh, why would you want to pay us? Because it's not that, mm. you know, it's quite in, quite expensive, I guess, to use this type of service. But they said, look, I, I advertised it didn't work, you know. And, and so in, in the early days, I saw a gap in the market, but it wasn't. It wasn't, um, so I didn't feel that pressing need to build something until I was speaking to a friend. And he sort of had his own startup and he was like, oh, great, you know, these big companies can use a recruitment firm to solve this problem. But I also have this problem. I can't afford the recruitment firm. So mm. what is my solution? And we had this conversation, what if uh, many of these people knew what it was like to work in my company, like the culture of the company and what it's like. And, and I, have, I, I believe at the time they're like, 10 or 20 people in the company. It wasn't a very famous brand. So if they were to put up an ad for it, you know, it gets gets lost in the sea and, and no one can tell the difference between his company and ABC company. Right. But, but everyone knew all the big brands, right? Yeah, so yeah. He, he found it very difficult to compete. So I thought that was a great idea, um, uh, uh, using culture as a way of differentiating yourself and to attract talent. Mm. And my instinct at the time was, the Malaysian people would love it. So not just the employers, but the people in Malaysia would actually love it. And no market research. Uh, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yes, yeah. No, we just like, it was an intuition. We jumped into it. Uh, I, I launched something that was very culture focused. And naturally, 
most of the people that, that cared a lot about culture at the time were Gen Y, right? A lot of research came out to say, you know, Gen Y wanted, uh, they cared, like they prioritized culture over many other factors when it came to a job. And, and, and therefore that became the target market mm. that we had. So mm. it was originally about company culture, but the people or the audience that we sort of catered for were the Gen Y at the mm. time because of this. When you're talking about company culture, you know, and relating that to your potential future, company's potential future employees, how did you leverage on that culture? What was it about it? And how did you kind of present that culture, I guess? Yeah, so um, I guess the, the idea of culture is how a company actually works or behaves or what happens inside a company. Mm. And it's something that you can't actually see from a typical text-based job description. Right. So our, and, and you go online, right? even today, you go online, you look at these um, job descriptions, they might try to describe their culture, but anyone can write anything. And the easiest way to understand the company's culture is sometimes like a 10-second video or a 20-second video tell so much like yeah. you can get a really quick gauge of what a company's culture is like just by mm. uh, uh looking at it. so we focus heavily on like rich media and uh like photos and videos and we kind of leverage that to to help employers tell that story mm. um and originally we did like really long interviews you know like we we, we interview like three or four people in the company and we go on for like 10-15 minutes and and over time we started shortening it because we realized that you know what actually you don't need such a long interview like just two minutes and, and mm. you get the and you really understand that culture. So it was very much focused on what happens inside the company. Uh, and of course, if you, if you look at it in terms of how companies look at it, that translates to their employer brand, if mm. you like. Mm. But we use rich media to tell that story. And do you think that's kind of what sets you apart then from your other competitors let's say i mean we, we we've got you know there's job street there's linkedin there's go get troopers fast there's a whole bunch of different things you know yeah. all serving their own particular market in a, in a particular way is this what sets you apart do you think yes yes and, and i actually think that um I, I regularly speak to many i guess aspiring entrepreneurs if they want to start new startups and yeah. one thing that i find that i always suggest to them is try not to start with a market that's too big Right. You know, everyone tries to like, let's say, go after the biggest player. Mm-hmm. You know, but the the best thing to do is to start with a very small or niche market and really win mm. there. So, and and the reason I say it's so important is was when we launched this platform, uh, most of our growth was organic. Like people saw a platform that's very focused on culture, and they just came. Uh, so, I'm, and I'm not talking just about job seekers. Even employers were, you know, they were messaging us and say, can I list on your platform? How do I do it? Mm. You know, and, and so um, and so we just drew everyone in because no one else was serving this particular need. And the reason no one else wanted to serve this particular need because the size of the market wasn't that big. Right, right, right. right? So yeah. if you look at the big players, yeah. you know, if for them to kind of overnight become like what we do means they might lose like 90% of their market share, which we had no one, you know, no sane CEO would do <laughs> right, that, yeah. right? So, so, so for us, it was, um, it was a, but as a company that started from zero, it's always good to aim a little bit lower and win. Mm. And then once you win this one market, then you can kind of imagine what you will look like as we grow, right? I, I find it difficult to kind of comprehend that you did no market research, though. You, you must have done something. You must have had an influence of something to kind of say, you know, this is how I think we should do Or was it entirely gut? Uh, I, I would say it's mostly... Uh, well, hmm. yes, I say instinct and intuition. Yeah. But I always tell people that 
you have to train your instinct or intuition. And, and what I mean by that is um, a, a lot of the media that I consume and stuff like that um, uh, gave me this instinct that culture was going to be a really big thing, right? The stuff that's reading the news, whether it's like US news, you yeah. know, and and um, my my sense is that it's 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 something that many people really care about, and it's going to, uh, uh, but it's something that no one really served, mm. uh, and yeah. So I would say yes, it was definitely instinct, uh, but uh, yeah, we got lucky. But you train that instinct by itself based on what you consume. Right? No, I, I completely agree. I'll give you an example. I can tell. Um, fairly early on when I'm conducting an interview, whether or not this interview is going to be a longer one or a shorter one. And even if the content is coming good at the beginning, I know that there's a a point where it's going to plateau. Right. You know, and at that point, I know I have to move on. I have to make a different decision. And it's interesting to note that you identified that these videos earlier on, when you're thinking that more content is, is better, you know, over time you realize that often it's shorter content that works better, particularly when it comes to addressing Gen Y and Gen Z, who we know and has been argued that they have a shorter, arguably, attention span. Yes. I'm not just calling them out because, right. you know, I say that. <laughs> it, it's, it's proven, it right? Is, yes, yes. Right, right. Um, just to move on then, um, given your kind of, let's call it demographic, fo- uh, demographic uh, focus, um, what about uh, behaviors and trends? Uh, have you seen, I, I don't know, changing over the last couple of years, particularly when it comes to post-pandemic? Has there been any difference in their behavior? Yes. Um, so definitely the in terms of people looking for jobs, uh, I would say uh, because the, our concept was originally very much focused on culture, yeah. and, and, I still, and I still believe many of them care about culture. But right now, Many of them care about money. <laughs> like, like it, yeah. it was a more prominent. So, so yeah. it was obviously everyone cared about money even then, like yeah. in those early days. But uh, you know, if you think of it as like some kind of like a like a balance, mm. I, I would say that yes, the, the culture bit was a very important thing to them. Mm. I, I see it as a bit more more equal or balanced now, and and um, there is a lot of conversation or focus not just on culture but on money and growth. Mm. But I believe it's partially the market sort of adjusting itself. So what I mean by that is, you know, we all know, I don't think it's, it's uh, I think it's kind of known knowledge that obviously things are getting more expensive or certain yeah. things are getting more expensive, yeah. right? And, um, and, uh, and, and it used to be that our parents or parents' parents, maybe they, they made a lot of money from, let's say the boom in the property market. And so they, a lot of wealth was generated in this mm-hmm. way in the past mm-hmm. and things, uh, but, if you look at how things are now, uh, we, they don't get this opportunity to create wealth in that way. At the same time, things are getting more expensive, but salaries aren't really moving right. in that direction. Yeah. So there's increased pressure, I, I believe, on a lot of the, the people, like the employees, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and everyone's thinking a little bit more, right? okay, I you know, I, I want to do a great job for this company, et cetera. But if, if my, sort of my personal life is kind of uh, 
it impacted and kind of under a bit of pressure. I, I need, I need a, you know, a bit more money right, yeah. to do no. it. So, so everyone's thinking is a little bit different. I completely agree. Yeah. There has definitely been a, a mindset shift. And I wouldn't just say it's Gen X and, and Gen Y and Gen Z. I, I think it, it appeals to everybody now. You know, a few years ago, we'd be looking at things like, let, let's take Google, for example. You know, and everybody uses Google as an example. They were advertising things like ping pong tables, supplied meals and rest areas and bean bags. And that became the big thing you know yes. that was their, their culture so to speak you yes. know and and that was the way that they would attract people but in a funny way that all all they were doing was making encouraging you to stay at work for longer right you know uh, <laughs> essentially right and and if we look now post pandemic uh, as you mentioned there there are people who have reevaluated their priorities and looked at ways in which they can earn more money faster and if they're not happy they're quite happy to to move on yes. whereas people from my generation and earlier would have stuck it out at the company, you know, mm. year after year after year. Whereas nowadays it's like, no, if they're not giving me what I want, I'm going to move on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that, that, that sort of, uh, that is generally more common now, I guess. Mm. Right. Mm. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily use to, um, I wouldn't think of it as loyalty so much. I, I, when I, when I first graduated and you know, I'm going to give away my age now, but when I first graduated, if I wanted a job, I, I literally had to print out my CV. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and cover letter and literally snail mail it. Yeah. yeah. Right. To, and like, then sneak it on top of the pile yeah, if, if yeah, you managed right. to get into the office. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, many online tools were not really there right. and were not commonly used. So yeah. this was like 20 years ago. Yeah. But obviously right now, uh, we have all this, I mean, highly included. Mm. Uh, we have these tools that make it very easy to kind of look for a new job, apply to a new job. But, mm but also for the employer to hire new people. So it's both ways, right? So sometimes when people say, oh, people change jobs a lot more often now, which we say, yes, I understand. I, I generally, I, I, I am the uh, CEO of a recruitment company that always discourages people from changing jobs. This is very weird, but <laughs> <laughs> as in like, don't change jobs too early, you know, yeah. like that's, that's my point of view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what, what, when people focus on the job seeker changing jobs, what they don't realize is this is a market. Yeah. You take two hands to clap. So yeah. if this person is changing their job, someone else is hiring them. Mm -mm. Who is hiring? Another employer. So mm. it's just, so I think just the market is kind of adjusting itself mm. and uh, the platforms are just a tool that serves what the market wants. Right, right, right. right? And yeah. then I, I actually think at some point, hopefully this will kind of swing back to something, I wouldn't say it's abnormal now, but you wouldn't see uh, so many people moving so easily just purely for money. It will, it will get adjusted itself mm. at some point. Okay. Hold that thought, Derek. We have to take a short break. Uh, folks, I'm speaking, of course, with Derek Toh, the founder and CEO of Hiredly, on why he started down this path of the business model and promise of this venture. Of course, it is open for business, a show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. I'm Rich Bradbury. If you have anything you want to get in touch with us uh, via uh, or talk to me or Derek about, get us via our U-Mobile our WhatsApp number it is 018789 You can also get us on X. We are at BFM Radio. We're going to take a short break now. We'll be back in just a moment or two after these messages. I'm going to speak to Derek about rebranding and a few other different things. We're right back here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Breathe freely, Malaysia. <sighs> BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. Of course, it is Open for Business, the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. I'm Rich Bradbury, and here with me in the studio is Derek Toe, the founder and CEO of Hiredly. Uh, before Hiredly, though, it wasn't Hiredly, was it? It was WOB, uh, and that's something that you uh, rebranded 2021? 2021, yes, that's right, yes. Uh, well, that's a good guess. Uh, <laughs> from then on, of course... Uh, AI also became quite prominent within your business. Yes. Um, tell us about how this industry has, uh, I guess, evolved, embraced, and uh, how rebranding played a role in you. I don't want to say keeping up with the times, but how it's changed your vision, I guess. Yeah, so um, in terms of the question of why we rebranded or how we got to that point where we felt we needed mm. to rebrand, um, there were a couple of things that were moving at that moment, right? So um, before the brand, I guess our product and service was evolving. Uh, so we started as a platform that's focused on culture, focused on Gen Y. And, and then one day, um, you know, clients came to us and said, you know what, I, I don't really want to advertise. Like, can I... Can, can you look in your database for me? Like, like, a, like a hay hunting or recruitment service. Mm. Uh, and I'll pay you, right? And, and we originally started the team said, okay, well, we help the client. We get to make some money. Let's do it. But when we kind of launched this little team, we realized that the amount of data that we were sitting on, because, because it's our own data, right? The plat- we own the platform, can be used um, in such a, a, a ways that you, you can't do if you're like a traditional recruitment firm. Because the traditional recruitment firm, like the ones that I, I used to work in, like you have to buy like talent data from another platform, right? Right, and and it's like a third party kind of thing. So we we saw sort of before the whole AI thing came out, we we've already started describing or, or working towards sort of an AI augmented kind of platform. So mm. we didn't see it as an AI company, but AI augmented company because we had the data. Um, so while we're going through this internal change. At that time, we also had uh, some clients who were enterprise large corporations. Uh, and this is a true story, right? I had one company that, that they, they, want, they were going to purchase or, or advertise on the platform and they reached their higher level uh, management. They said, why would we want to list, we are a big prestigious brand. Why would you want to list our, our jobs on a company that's calling themselves working on beanbags, which is walk. Right. Uh, this colorful platform and and we when we found that oh this initial brand that really worked for us as a niche market is working against us mm. as we scale and we try to you mm. know acquire more enterprise clients so so with those two things happening you know the evolution of the product and service and how we're trying to go into the enterprise we said I, I think we need to rebrand mm. into something that uh the general market uh, you know, no, we'll, we'll like, mm. right? And that's how, how did you ended. feel about that at this stage? I mean, what was something, it was yours, it was created, you know, by you and your team and it, it, it's your baby. And then yes. did it feel somewhat letting something go or did or you were more interested in, in what, what lied ahead or what lay ahead rather? I think the most of the struggle was happening internally right. with the team. Yeah. And I, I, because we had so many people that, joined us from the early days and they grew and all that, right? And and I would say at least half of the team was so passionate about what we're building that it took a bit of time uh, to sort of explain to them why we needed mm. to make this move. Mm. Me personally, uh, I'm always two things, uh, very future-oriented. 
oriented. So I, I care mostly about what is in what will work tomorrow. Yeah, right, so yeah. I think ahead a little bit, and and also care about our customers, our users, and all that. What do they want, mm. right? Rather than what I want, uh, and so the decision for me was quite easy, and I, I and, and I let I let go of that brand uh, pretty easily too. Mm. But it was mostly an internal thing that I had to kind of manage, mm. right? Mm. And there was a lot of pushback, and you know, and I, I would say that in some sense it did affect the the morale of the team for a couple of months. Uh, but eventually, everyone sort of like adjusted mm. to that new direction that we had. Okay, interesting. Now, um, just before we we head into the news in a couple of minutes, um, recruitment pr- uh, platforms, I guess, usually generate revenue from listing or, or advertising fees. Uh, is this still the same for you guys? And if not, you know, give us a better sense of your for the, for folks at home your your business model. Uh, yeah, so so we have a, a subscription-based model for the advertising or listing aspect, and we also there have that recruitment service that I mentioned. So mm-hmm. which is uh, we call it Hirely X, and it does from junior even up to senior talent sometimes because we have a lot of senior people who just deposit their CVs on our platform and they say come come talk to me when there's a job you think I like right. So mm-hmm. so the headhunting service goes uh, Hirely X uh, is operates just like a recruitment firm, but we are always experimenting uh, like an in between because we have a portal and a recruitment service at the same time. So if you talk to us, if you pick up the phone and you speak to someone internally in Hirely, there are many things that we don't even list on the platform, which we are sort of uh, experimenting, offering to some of our customers. And uh, some of them is showing a bit of promise right now. Can you uh, maybe show me and shed a little bit of light into that promise? Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, in terms of when we when we take a very hybrid approach, what we're trying to do is leverage the fact that everything that's digital is obviously cheaper. Everything that requires like labor, like it's probably more expensive, which is why recruitment firms are more expensive. Mm. But if we can kind of take a bit of both worlds and kind of put it together, we are trying to get to a point where we can offer a kind of like a success-based recruitment service, but at a lot cheaper price but still kind of maintain or maybe even make the experience a lot better, the fact that most of it is done digitally. So um, this is something that we've been on the, the experimenting on an ongoing basis, and we actually think that we're not far from something that might really work. Fantastic. Okay, we have to take another short uh, break, of course. Uh, I'm here in the studio with Derek Toh. He is the uh, founder and CEO of Hiredly. Uh, he's telling me about why he started down this path, the business model a little bit, the rebranding exercise. We've got a whole bunch of stuff for him coming up after the news, of course, but we do have to take a short break. Do stick with us, of course. This is Open for Business, the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. Stick with us. My name is Rich Bradbury here on BFM 89. Point nine, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Birkins for Mama. BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Welcome back, folks. This is Open for Business. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, it is the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. I'm joined in the studio by uh, with Derek Toe, the founder and CEO of Hiredly. Um, so, Derek, we've covered quite a bit so far. Let's talk a little bit about um, numbers. Uh, in, um, I'm not going to talk to you about finances just yet. 
Uh, that's a little bit later on. Uh, as of 2021, you had, I believe, around 600,000 job seekers and 16,000 employers signed up. And that was seven years into the business. Can you give us some kind of sense of where you are nowadays? Yeah. So, um, you know, last year in 2023, we actually crossed a million uh, job seekers. Wow. Uh, yes. And um, uh, it was a huge milestone for us as a company. Um, and and uh, about approximately 10 to 15% of our job seeker database is active at any one month. So, um, so that's a million in terms of job seekers. Uh, in terms of employers, uh, we've also grew, not, not as aggressively as the early years. I think, uh, I think it's partially, uh, I mean, last year especially. I, I think last year was a bit more of a flat type of year. But if mm. you look from 2021 to 2024, where now, um, we should have close to about 25,000 employees signed up on the platform. Decent growth. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, um, and how, as a CEO then, how, how has that affected, how busy are you nowadays? I am, well, I'm very fortunate that, um, uh, I mean, as we speak at this or rather, right moment. Or rather, how good at delegating are you, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe too good sometimes. Uh, that's what my team would say. Uh, uh, we are... Uh, uh, immediately at this moment, I am working a little bit extra hard uh, because we, you know, we sort of uh, rebuilding the teams, you mm. know, like the, um, uh, even at the leadership level. So mm. I'm taking on multiple hats as we speak. But uh, in general, I, I, I think I'm pretty good at delegating. Uh, and um, uh, when everyone is sort of running uh, and every department has their own kind of head and VP, mm. uh, I, I really focus on empowering them to kind of do their thing, right? Mm. But, but of course, with the empowerment also means that they need to know what they're doing. Uh, and um, as a side note, this is something I'm kind of learning to balance right now. How much is too much empowerment without some kind of sort of like direction or check and balance at, at my level? Mm. But yeah, I, I find apart from in media right now, I don't think I'm too busy. Mm. Yeah. Okay, maybe we can change that. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but okay, let's just go back to those numbers again. Like, you know, and, and that growth. How has that user engagement and numbers translated? I guess in, into revenue, revenue growth, profits. Talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah. So um, the we because we have like multiple different products and services running at the moment. I would say there are some uh, there are some services that we definitely did not we decided not to focus on so much anymore. Uh, and some that we decided to focus on a little bit more. So uh, the when the pandemic first hit in 2020, I remember when we went into the first lockdown, it was a bit of a panic, everyone. But yeah. once lock, the first lockdown was lifted, the number of active jobs on our platform uh, grew like so fast, right? Uh, and we are actually four times higher in terms of active jobs on the platform since the pandemic started. Um, but most of this growth was achieved in 2022, right? So we grew four times at the end of 2022. And I think 2023 was a bit of a flat year, I would right. say. And, and this, this kind of reflected in, uh, in terms of like revenue and, like in, and profit, et cetera. Um, uh, well, we're not, we're not profitable yet, right? But operationally, if you, if you exclude, let's say the, the amount of, money we're investing into developing new stuff. Uh, if you exclude that, then yes, operationally that we were profitable, but in general, we're not profitable yet. But anyway, um, uh, pretty flat. 
but some businesses like the portal is growing. Mm. So if you kind of dissect this thing into like smaller pieces, mm. like the portal is growing, uh, but things like the videography work that we used to do a lot for employers, that has gone down a lot. Right. right, and that's partially because we intentionally tried to change our strategy on uh, things like you know employee branding videos and all that. Mm. Can we talk a little bit about how you manage to balance between you know growing and, and trying to achieve profitability? You know, how do you achieve that balance? What is it for you that helps you strike that balance? Ah. I'm not sure if we do it that well, but I would say. <laughs> but but I love your honesty. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> uh, because I I find that in general that uh, most startups actually actually take two paths, right? Mm-hmm. One they go down the path of uh, we raise money. They're very good at fundraising, mm. right? and they keep raising money, and and they just drive the top line very mm. aggressively, you mm. know, and and they become very successful. They're in the news, and and that's great. And, and, and another kind of startup just thinks of themselves as I'm just a business that's trying to make profit, right? And they, yeah. don't, they don't think in terms of that, you know, VC-backed kind of uh, game, if you like. Um, I always find that we're somewhat in between. And the reason why we're somewhat in between is um, I, I always believe that every business, the way you prove that the business is adding value is that at the bottom line has to show a profit, right? If, you're, if the bottom line doesn't show a profit, it means that, what you're de- delivering to the market and what it costs for you to deliver to the market, like something's wrong, right? So, 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 so the business doesn't work, mm. right? So I've always been thinking in those terms. But obviously as a, a company that is like a portal, right? Or, or, or like a marketplace of sorts, right? It costs a lot of money, yeah. right? Yeah. To, to sort of like acquire users and it's like very consumer-based type yeah. of uh, marketing uh, style, right? So, so we have always needed to raise money to do that. I, I personally don't come from a kind of well-off, I'm very middle-class type of family, right? So, and, and therefore I needed to learn how to fundraise. And, and the reason why I said we are in between is because I never considered myself as an expert in fundraising. I always, when I talk to investors, I just tell them like the truth of what's going on. I'm not very good at positioning things, you know? And, and it always required someone that really understood the kind of company that we were building that really liked and, and invested in us. And mm. because I knew I was not an expert in fundraising, I was always very profit conscious, if you like bottom line conscious, yeah, yeah, knowing yeah. that I, I need to fund most of it using revenue, right? Not from investors. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, before we move into uh, another break, um, as we said earlier on, it's been almost 10 years. Um, and the average exit time for Malaysian startups is around about eight years, right? Um, talk to us about where you see Hydly going from here. Uh, and what do you think is most likely the type of exit for your business that you might be looking at? Uh, interesting. Is it eight years, the average time? Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that many exits recently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but for us, per se, I, I've always uh, been aiming more at an IPO. Uh, but this is partially because uh, I wanted to give some of our early investors a way to kind of, you know, uh, make money from their mm. investment for believing in us. Obviously, investors, I mean, their goal is to make money, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted it to, them to have a way if they wanted to kind of realize that gain that they'd be able to do it. So I've always been focused on IPO. Uh, we have um, opportunities in terms of trade sale. I mean, like those, those things are quite possible and the reason i say this is um if, if you look at many of the m and a's and acquisitions actually 
there's a lot that happened in the recruitment space, right? Like Indeed was acquired by Recruit, you know, LinkedIn, if you consider them a recruitment company, was acquired by Microsoft. Yeah. JobStreet was acquired by Seek. So there's a lot of m &A. So, so there's always these opportunities that are there. But for me, as the founder and CEO of the company, I'm very much focused on IPO. The reason is because if we IPO, our early investors have a way to exit, but we can still focus on building the company because we didn't start the company to make money. Right. We actually really wanted to build something that we think that our customers and the market actually needs. Mm. So if we IPO, we can still do our thing, right? But if you do a trade sale, at some point you have to leave the company and mm. start something new. That's what I believe in, right? So, so, so yeah. I mean, like you say, a, a lot of companies may have been started, may have been formed with selling, uh, you know, exiting, IPOing as top of mind, the first thing that they do, whereas you had a different mindset. This is, we actually want to make some changes. We want to do things that people will find useful before we decide to disappear, if we decide to do that. So yes, to speak. yes, yes. And, and, and um, you know, we started it based on in, an instinct that yeah. this is what the market needed. And yeah. uh, I was really happy with my previous job, by the yeah. way. Like, and uh, if it wasn't for this particular idea, I probably would not have left. Really? So yes, yes. So it is something that we are building because we want to build it, mm. uh, not because we're trying to make money. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a soundbite for the day, actually. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I have a few more questions, and I think I'm going to keep you on rather than take a break for now. Now, let's talk a little bit about the budget. The uh, the Malaysia Madani budget 2024 has allocated uh, 1.6 billion to provide 1.7 million training opportunities in the uh, technical and vocational industry. Right. As your platform focuses on junior to mid-management talent currently, um, would you think of expanding to more technical and vocational related jobs? Oh, I love, uh, thank you for the question. Actually, we have, uh, <laughs> but we haven't marketed it that aggressively. Uh, we started a new platform called nightgaji.com. Uh -huh. Yes, and we, and we started it uh, uh, sometime mid last year, and it was exactly to serve a, a larger market. Right, and mm. we're talking about like vocational, technical, like non non executive jobs, mm. if you like. Mm. And the reason we sort of went into that was because you know I, I think a lot about Malaysia as a country, um, sometimes a little bit too idealistically. And I, the question always came like, I believe seventy percent of the talent of the people are in non executive jobs in Malaysia. So. The question we all ask ourselves is, if you're trying to help people grow their careers, but we're only serving 20 to 30% of the market, are we really helping Malaysians grow their careers? So we needed, in order to help more people, we needed to reach more people. Mm. But, but back to the sort of the, I guess the way we started, we actually don't think we should just expand hiredly.com to help non-exec people. Then, then the, the portal or platform becomes so it's going to become very generic mm. when you try to do like a one-size-fits-all approach. Mm. So rather than make highly.com serve this market, we start a new one. Mm. And Great idea. Yes, and, and, and we call it nightgaji.com. And I mean, yes, and nightgaji basically means increase your salary. Mm. And, and the reason why we do that is because what, does, what, do, what do people in this group, if you like, care about? Well, I guess you, you don't think about culture so much. Uh, if you if you think about how to put food on the table, get you know get a roof over your head, and 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 we wanted to start a platform that's very focused on salary transparency, and so we make every employee that lists on the platform as as a compulsory thing like you have to list the salary, right? So that's the one thing the product is different. And I, I think 
many people will appreciate that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and I think um, sometimes for kind of like professional white collar jobs, I understand the complication of these things. Because right? yeah. a marketing manager in one yeah. company is doing something very different from another company. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to non-executive vocational jobs, we actually think that there shouldn't be that com- it shouldn't be that complicated to mm. list your salary. And that's why we kind of started it. And this year... Uh, we hope to make a much huge, uh, much bigger impact on the Malaysian market. Uh, and we're going to be focusing a lot more on nightgaji.com. So when we started last year, it was a bit of an experiment. We actually believe there's a lot of demand for this space, right? Nice, nice. Uh, not just from the people, but even from companies. And it's also something that I think the government would actually want to succeed, right? They want mm. a lot of people in this like technical vocational space to have good careers and make decent money. It's not just that they want, they need it. That's right. Right. Okay, um, a couple more. So when we look at stuff like, uh, also in the budget, they introduced an extension of tax incentives until 31st December 2027 for women returning to work. Will Hyatt be doing anything to aid this initiative uh, of encouraging women to return to the workforce? Uh, yeah, well, at, at the operational level, we've actually hired people like this ourselves, by the way. And some of them, uh, were, they did so phenomenally well. They grew in the company and all that. So, uh, I mean, this is just from a personal point of view. I do encourage employers to, um, to think about this group of people who are actually wanting to come back, mm. right? And, uh, and I think perhaps one of the reasons why they don't is because maybe they've left the the, the, the job market for so long, they don't know whether you, you know, they, they need time to warm up or something or they're out of touch. But m- when they come back, um, I actually think that many of them are so motivated to I kind of- I was just gonna say that. Yeah, they're so motivated yeah. and, and, and that you know, they have this opportunity to come back in and, and uh, make up for even some lost time, if mm. you like. Mm. And it's actually a good decision. Uh, Highly as a platform, I've actually been speaking to um, communities of uh, uh, of women-led communities, if you like, women-focused communities, uh, about this exact conversation. Right? How do we make the platform a little bit more? Um, I would say, uh, think designing the platform in such a way where we are catering for what these women are looking for, mm. questions that they will be asking, right? Mm. As an example, th- this is not exactly what we're going to be building immediately, but I'm just giving an example, right? So uh, they might care about, is there public transportation or is there parking in the building? You know, how much flexibility am I going to have? Uh, uh, and if sometimes I need to work remotely, you know, so, uh, so the questions that they ask might be very different. Um, and uh, we've been having conversations like this, and and yeah, so the, hopefully we'll be starting to build in features like that a little bit more. Mm. And how com- how do you feel about this? I mean, this is something that obviously is quite a large community as well, and there are a lot of I'm sure there are people at home listening right now who who are very, I guess, happy that these kind of conversations are, are happening. You know, right? Yes, that's right. Mm. Um, uh, uh, well, I I think it's uh it's good. I mean, like uh, you know, my 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 wife is a very uh you know uh has a pretty good career. She's very focused on her career, mm. and uh, I have many friends who are women who are very focused on their careers. And yeah. and and I actually believe more and more conversations like this are important. Uh, and uh, I I definitely encourage it. You yeah. know, I I try to find our way. By the way, to to see how we can contribute to this. And um, uh, but of course, I feel that. Uh, us coming in as a platform or me even personally we can come as a 
uh, very strong support, if you like. Mm. Uh, but we need more and more women to kind of lead it themselves right? as, the, as the kind of like the face of this movement mm. or community, mm-hmm. you know, whatever word you want to use. Derek, thank you so much for your time today. Yes, thank you so much, Richard. Absolute pleasure. Folks, of course, I've been here in the studio with Derek Coe. He is the founder and CEO of Hiredly. We've been speaking about why he started on this path, the crazy man, uh, the business model and promise of his venture and how we've touched a little bit on AI, but the future of Hiredly, and it sounds really, really interesting. Um, if you did miss any part of the show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. That will be up very shortly. Uh, use the BFM app is what we recommend. That's available in the Apple app store or google play this of course has been open for business the show that dives deep into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders i'm rich bradbury stick around we have the 11 o'clock news coming up in just a moment and after that of course it is resource center here on bfm 89.9 the business station are you open for business? register your company with bossbully.com malaysia's first online company secretary You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.